Uh, hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Our music is brought to you by Tanika Charles, courtesy of Record Kicks. Her album Soul Run and The Gumption are available now on all streaming platforms. Joining me today is friend to the pod, uh, host of the Confederacy of Dunks NBA podcast, just a Buckets and Tea regular. I feel like we can say that now. Uh, welcome back, Freddie Rivas. How you uh, doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be a regular. Like, this is a, a big <laughs> moment. I already felt like one, but, you know. Yeah, you were, but we hadn't officially declared it. Yeah, referring to me as a regular on the pod means that's what I am now. Even if I fall out of, like, a regular rotation, I, I'm like a former Never. Regular. Never. You're not one of those one foot in the league kind of guys. Okay. Like you're an all-star you're here to stay. Like, you you know, you're not going anywhere. Okay. Um, I'm going to take the new title all-star. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's what I am now. So I've, I've I basically, I went from regular to all-star and now I can't, I can't go back. Yeah, so exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> also I'm a regular on your podcast. Yes. So... Uh, you're, you, you know what? Let me just say this. You're a superstar Ooh. on my podcast. And next time you're on the podcast, I'm going to say that. So it's like official forever. Wow. Um, that's so nice. Okay. Well, next time I'll introduce you as a superstar and then we can just be like on an even playing field. Yeah. You know, you, you yeah, don't have to. Gotta, no, but I, would. I feel like I'm pushing it, you know? I'm no, no, no. But bit, I would. So. I would. I started the love fest. So you're not pushing anything. It's a good way to start a pod, right? Yeah, good way to start a pod. Um, yeah, where you record this every Monday, um, All-Star Weekend, which was really just a night, happened last night. Um, Friday and I, before jumping on uh, to record this, we're very much talking about how uh, we were very into the Meghan Markle Prince Harry interview that aired at the same time. Pretty sure the NBA would have picked a different weekend. Uh, had they known they were going up against that, like I was like, this is one of the biggest interviews of like the decade. Um, I'm so curious to see what's going to happen as things unfold with that interview. Definitely more interesting than All Star. Um, Way more interesting. It was it was head to head, like TV battles that I don't think I don't think we've seen anything like that in a while. Like the NBA, mm -hmm. they they put it all together, they went for it, and Oprah just showed up and was like i'm the best i'm coming out of retirement and this is going to be a big time interview mm -hmm. i'm sure I'm, the nba headquarters were probably going wild like i'm sure they were panicking oh yeah no doubt they were panicking and i'm sure like i the ratings aren't out yet but i'm sure they are bad like <laughs> there's no way this all-star has like good ratings um but let's start at the beginning i actually completely missed the skills contest um because i didn't realize it started at 6 30. did you watch it i did yeah so oddly enough i missed the dunk off i saw i saw mo i saw a little bit of it but i was starting to get distracted by the oprah interview so yeah. that's that's my just, uh, you know, I'm going to admit that. But no, I, I watched the skills competition. Um, Sabonis won. Uh, I called that. 
to uh, my wife who didn't really care. Oh, okay. That's um, nice. Yeah. When it started, I was like, he's going to win. That's the key is being married to someone who doesn't care. That's why I'm still single. It's just, it's too yeah. much if we both care. Oh, it would be insane. <laughs> um, it, it would be, it would actually be, yeah, absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, as soon as it started, I was like, I think Sabonis is going to win. And she's like, who's that? And then I told her about Arvidas Sabonis, <laughs> his dad, and how he has a giant head. Yeah, he and does. Around that time, she was kind of like, okay, you've been talking about basketball for like 10 minutes straight. So I'm going to move on. Um, but yeah, the, the skills competition was uh, pretty solid. You know, Chris Paul is always fun to watch. And like, there's, there's always that like weird moment where you can tell that some people are trying to be cool like Julius Randle, like wasn't really like sprinting or anything, but other guys like Sabonis are like, I'm going to run fairly hard and try and hit a three, like at the, that last little part there. So, you know, skills competition's not great. I still miss shooting stars personally. Yeah. Uh, I miss, um, wait, is shooting stars one more than they had the current yes. NBA player, the WNBA player, yes. and then the vet? Yeah. Yes, that way was more fun. way better, way better. I agree. I miss that a lot. That was so much more fun than whatever they're doing now. A hundred percent. I mean, it would be harder to do in a year like this because of COVID, but in future years, I hope they bring that back. Um, yeah. And as a Raptor fan, for whatever reason, I feel like Chris Bosch maybe won that a couple of times. And we were yeah, like, oh, I think he did. I that's think he relevant. Did. And people are like, no, it's not doesn't really mean anything yeah well when you're in a, when you are a part of like a a, a losing franchise i mean you are just yeah. clinging you need it. to anything so yeah i do remember chris bosh winning one of those and us acting like that was a, definitely a bigger deal uh, than it actually is um you can feel it you know we have no all-star representation uh this time around and it was kind of like a little less enjoyable yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like, well, for me, like this whole all-star thing was going to be less enjoyable no matter what. Like it just would have been, like, even yeah. if we had a Raptor in the game. Um, but I also was like, this is the one year I'm really happy that there aren't any Raptors participating in it. Like, yeah. A, like the team got like hit with COVID and like, we'll jump into that a bit more with our Raptors Homer moment. But like, like we really 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 needed the break and like if freddie got in he, i don't think he would have been able to play i was thinking about that yeah so, so you know if if pascal and freddie had been having huge years and were going to be all-stars we they wouldn't have got gotten in yeah they wouldn't have made it ultimately so you know i mean and then it was crazy like joel and beat and ben simmons last minute not there due to contact tracing because their barber ended up getting wow. COVID. Yeah, barber danger. Uh, I, I think it's happened a couple times with COVID uh, and the league. That's right. And uh, it's, uh, I mean, COVID is coming at you from every angle. So it, it's scary. I think this all-star game was precarious. And I feel like if if nobody gets COVID and Embiid and Simmons is like the scary side of it that, you know, the NBA probably, you know, will, will take it as a pretty big win because it was shaping up to be 
a potential disaster. And there was a lot of critiques. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 apparently LeBron has also critiqued it on his way out as well. So. Yeah, I saw this morning that there were no positive cases during All-Star this weekend. Oh, okay. With everyone who participated. So that's good. But you're right. It was a high risk. So move, high risk. Yeah. Um, And probably unnecessary. Um, One thing I, that didn't really sit right with me was, and this might sound weird, but like just all the... um praise that they were making for the frontline workers not that they i mean they deserve praise but it to me it's like if you really cared about frontline workers you would stay home yeah it's definitely because like the whole like like by not caring about covid we are flooding the hospitals and we are making their life harder and then other people who are sick for other reasons are now not getting help and everyone's stretched thin. And it's like, that's the, that's really the big problem outside of the fact that people are actually dying from this is the logistical, how much can the hospitals really take? So when you're like, Oh, like we, we want to cherish like all our doctors and nurses and all these frontline workers. And it's like, they want you to stay home. I mean, not that I should speak on their behalf, but I can only imagine I feel like they've been fairly consistent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you, you know, the Super Bowl was kind of like that. It's like, we're going to honor yeah. all the nurses and frontline workers. Um, and, I'm, you know, someone tweeted this, but uh, like, we're going to, we're going to honor all of them by uh, creating a super spreader event mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that starts with them. And mm-hmm. it's like, wait, I think they're just asking for us to um, stay home and not gather uh, so we can beat this virus. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're asking. I mean, you know, I, I, that's it's an interesting point though, because it's like it's part of the pageantry of this, this whole not just the NBA, all you know, society. It's been like a, the hygiene theater and kind of like the idea of keeping things safe and clean, and you know, keeping people healthy versus actually doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of that post bubble with the NBA where it's kind of like, you know, we just felt it hard as Raptors fans where they're like, we don't even re- want to reschedule these games. It's such a headache that we're just going to make you play with no coaches and a mm-hmm. bunch of your best players uh, unavailable. And, you know, they really showed up against Boston. It was an incredible performance. I thought, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, those were losses period. Uh, you know, I guess we could have maybe should have beat Detroit, but just the way that those two games felt and it, it just kind of felt like it was a unwinnable position. And I feel like that's, that's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. frustration with COVID and, and kind of like doing something like the all-star game. It's like, Oh, look at all this pageantry, but yeah, the bare facts of like even doing it and putting those logistics together is kind of like, wait, you're undoing so much of, what you want us to be happy about. Yeah. And I don't, um, I mean, I'm sure I've said this at some point, maybe in like December on the podcast, but I don't appreciate their willingness in the participation of ultimately spreading this virus. And, um, 
that really sucks. And then, you know, I had, I had a hard time kind of reconciling with how much do I support this? How much do I watch? Like, am I, yeah, you know, who am I to complain if I'm tuning in and then, Right. You know, there's this whole bit about how it's like not really my as an individual's responsibility. It's more a corporate responsibility. I, I don't know. Like there's just there's a lot of layers to it. Um, and I did find just seeing like they were like, well, there's twenty five hundred people here instead mm-hmm. of the twenty thousand whatever capacity. And they were really like cheering that on, you know, in the broadcast. And it's just like the impression that I get is that the majority of America just has a very different attitude towards this compared to what I would say is probably the majority of Canada. Although I would say we're probably split on this in Canada in terms of how open we should be like, Mm -hmm. but I don't think a lot of people, even though they're like, yeah, like we want, we need more local businesses open. It's not fair that I can buy clothes at Walmart and I can't buy clothes at another local place. Like, I don't necessarily mean that. I mean like literal stadiums opening up and, and they see that as like a good thing. And I think a lot of us don't see that as a good thing. That's a lot to reconcile with. It is. And I think it's, it's weird to, to embrace, you know, the idea of gathering before you embrace the idea of like collective health. You know, so it's like, yay, we're going to celebrate that we're all like in these arenas. But yeah, it just kind of flies in the face of people actually like you oh. know, celebrating, saving lives, you know. And, and I, th- I do think there is a bit of a, uh, you know, Canadian American difference as much as there can be with like, you know, Canada from place to place is so different as well. And obviously, the sure. US. Yeah. But I think our kind of like right wing movement hasn't infiltrated science in in the basic sense that it has Mm -hmm. with the u.s and you know particularly in terms of like you know masks and you know i think like uh well actually i guess there's a lot of anti-vaxxers in in canada too i mean i'm rambling a little bit but hey (laughs) no it's fine we're both rambling a bit about but i mean it was just hard to ignore Throughout all the events, it was just really hard to ignore. And like, there was one play during the game where Jalen Brown kind of fell to the side and some guy in the audience, I don't know who I'm like, I hope they know each other fully came onto the court and lifted him up. Did you see that? I did not. There was a guy sitting courtside and he grabbed Jalen's hand and lifted him up. And I'm like, I hope that's like, Jalen's like best bud who he lives with like what are we doing like it just it just feels so weird and I think like you know for us being based in like the the GTA well now I'm in Hamilton but like you know being like the idea of grabbing a person's hand feels so weird to me like like I haven't touched another person's hand yeah and I'll like, except for like my mom who I live with right now, you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. touch people's hands. No, it's, it's, it's such a time of people living different types of extremes. Yeah. And I think, you know, like for a lot of basketball players, you know, they have like a, a work life extreme existence 
where it's, you know, they're, they have all sorts of, yeah, like, you know, touching privileges and get to see more people. And I'm, I'm not saying that like, uh, you know, it's, they, they have it just as bad. I just think it's kind of tough to empathize with other people's situations. Like I, you know, I was watching an open gym, uh, Raptors open gym the other day. And mm-hmm. this was obviously before, you know, the COVID hit the Raptors, but just seeing them all kind of gather and like, you know, OG like had his mask around his neck. Some guys had their mask, you know, it, nurse was a little bit off and it was just like, it was hard to make sense of how to feel. Right. Also, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, wait, wait. So these people are, you know, they're in a different tier almost like their work is so important. You know, I'm not saying it's more important than anything else, but just in terms of money-making it's, it's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like important in that sense. So they're getting tested a bunch, but then it's still just weird to see behavior that I, yeah, can't really fathom right now. You know, mm-hmm. post-vaccination, I don't really imagine to be uh, not wearing a mask most of the time when I'm in public. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, what we consider essential work is very interesting because like, I think, you know, like my brother works For me, in, it's Amazon. Yeah, it's Amazon. Like my brother works in construction and like, I'm happy that he's been able to work this whole time but I don't think he's building buildings that are essential. You know what I mean? It's just, it's an industry Tell that, that has to a the lot developers. of money that has, that has a lot of money in it. And it's like, that's what made it essential. Right. So, I mean, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about like groceries and things like that. Like that's obviously essential, but like, you know, I mean, even like, oh, I'll use my own example then like the film industry, is still you know and like that's being considered essential and it's Mm -hmm. like the amount of essential that is is just is vague it's just they figured out a way to keep going and like it's it's, i I don't know like and and the nba like it's the same thing right like it's not actually essential at all but there's enough money for them to figure out a way we keep circling around you know like capitalism right it's uh, it's the top dog is is running the show and um, yeah, if your uh, movie budget or whatever is big enough, you can you can find a way to get it done. Uh, if you're a teacher, which is obviously you know a frontline worker, uh, and mm-hmm. you're represented like by the like your work for the government, then you're not protected, right? So I think how little protection our teachers have should tell everyone everything they need to know, at least in this province of Ontario, mm-hmm. like of where the priorities have been. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, they, come on. They're part of the community. If you if you were interested in stopping spreading, it would be something like teachers, grocery store workers, uh, farmhands, people who work in uh, meat packer plants. You would have all the people who are the direct points of contact with the public. You know, right. that's that's not the case. I'm obviously not an uh, epidemiologist or a virologist, so just listening to podcasts like everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, no, and of but, course, like, you know, it's, kind it's of, frustrating. Yeah, we're definitely like kind of meandering here about COVID in general a bit, but I mean, I'm I'm good with it because it's just like it was impossible not to notice. It was, yeah, um, it was, it was just part of the, how different also, yeah. everything is for them in Atlanta, how different it, it is for the NBA in comparison to how we've been 
kind of asked to live. So with that being said, um, you know, it was kind of interesting. Like the, they, the, the NBA has officially declared the three point contest, the event. Yes. Aside from the game itself, right? Like they, they made that official. And I think that was really interesting. I mean, it is the event that has the most stars in it. Yep. Um, you know, to me, like, aside from the fact that Steph Curry won the three point contest, this adds to his legacy in such a big way, because not only did he just win the contest, he, I mean, and obviously like there's Clay Thompson and there's Damian Lillard, there's other people involved in this influence, but it's primarily Steph Curry that has changed the game. Like he changed the significance of the event by making it the star event and like that is incredible to me like if you told me you know 10 years ago that the three-point contest would overtake the dunk contest even though at that point the dunk contest already wasn't what it used to be i would have never thought that the three-point contest would be the thing that like brings in the stars and this that and the other and um And I guess because there isn't it's to me, it's kind of low risk because you don't have that element of being embarrassed the way you do with the dunk contest. So it's kind of lower stakes. Like if you miss a bunch of shots, I don't think people really remember that in the same way. I don't know. What do you think? No, you know what? I I was going to say there have been some embarrassing three point competitions, but you know, not a lot of people come to mind. So that kind of like, hammers home your point that like an L in the three-point contest is not that bad but yeah you know before before we just talk about this like obvious narrative let me just sidestep it for a quick oh, sec please. to say so proud of Mike Conley he Aww. made the game he was so good <laughs> like it's not like he's my favorite player or anything but this is like he was awesome and he just he like he, he, he pushed Steph to the brink and allowed Steph to be like I, I'm gonna take this home because I can, I'm Mr. Three-Pointer. And, you know, even Reggie Miller calling it, being like, this is the best three-point shooter that's ever lived. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, some people would say it's Reggie Miller. Like, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I don't think <laughs> but, Reggie Miller would say that. Yeah, I don't, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Let me walk that back and say, hopefully not a lot of people would say that. Well, but, you know what? Reggie Miller did yeah. say if he was a player in today's game, he would be an MVP. And I actually <laughs> agree with that take. I, even though that was like a very narcissistic uh, take on his part, I was like, you know what? He would have been an MVP conversations if he, he was a six, today. seven, three point machine yeah. before that was the main part of the game. Yeah. You, know, you th- think about a guy like Duncan Robinson and you're like, oh my God, Reggie Miller would be absolutely yeah. and insane. an all time and an all time clutch guy as well. Totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think this, um, Shoot, I lost my point. Where were we? Sorry, um, Steph being the best at this, Mike Conley. Being yeah, right oh there. yeah, you know what? That's I, I did that to myself with the Mike Conley love. But Steph, it was his night. I, you know, I, I, I will, mm. spoiler, Giannis won the uh, All-Star Game MVP. But even during the game, it was all about Steph, I thought. And he was the one, you know, exuding the most joy Yes. Like the, you know, it was, that's also part of what the golden state run was. And it's, it's, it was nice to see, I think for, for Steph fans and for basketball fans that that attitude has survived what's happened to golden state. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like with the clay injury, obviously when, when we beat them with the KD injury, like they, that like Steph's kind of like joy for the game has been a, as a really nice through line. And I feel like saved this all-star game, honestly. And, you know, just that aside, he can shoot in such an incredible manner. Like I, I know, you know, during the game, Lillard was doing a bunch of stuff too, but it's like, yeah. I, I think the point you were kind of making too, is like Steph is the OG and this was like the, you know, kind of like an OG moment in a way. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, Steph's one of those players where it's like, I'm really happy that I got to see it in real time. You know, like he just, he really is the best shooter that's ever lived. And when you see him against all the other greats in the league and like, even though like Damian Lillard hit that like half court shot at the end and he had some moments as well in this, it's not as smooth. It's just not as smooth as Steph. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, there's an effortlessness to the way Steph Curry shoots that I think is, obviously to to be admired and also like you know it's weird to say but like a humbleness like not necessarily to his shooting but to his game like i I remember um jeff van gundy saying like you know during uh steph's big eruption year that he hated hearing everyone talking about how you know his his three-point shooting was the only thing that took the the step because or the the next step because in his opinion it was the passing dribbling and shooting which mm-hmm. unlock this like just wild new type of basketball. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Steph was so humble. Like even, you know, that courtside story where he was like, yeah, me and LeBron, you know, we're born in the same hospital. Um, no one really knows, but uh, I'm actually from Akron too. He's the king right, of Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a weird little excerpt that you decided to share. And I don't know, like how they were just mentioning they've never played on the same team together. I think LeBron has a lot of fun, but yeah, you know, that maybe was the biggest theme of the night for me when it comes to Steph and also just my eyes were glued to him because he was having a good time. I completely agree. My eyes were absolutely locked on him. He felt like the one, you know, it really felt like he was the biggest star in this league again. And we hadn't had that in a few years. And, um, one question I wanted to ask you is who disappeared for you in this game? Who did you barely notice? Or you like forgot was even there? Well, it was a weird in game a way that, that might be surprising. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. Like, I feel like, I don't know what his final stat line was, but partially Kawhi. I was going to say for me, it was um, Kawhi. I barely noticed Kawhi was even there. He was kind of like passing up shots he I don't know I think he's the type of player who even though he has the frame of like a big showy kind of like LeBron Giannis superstar like I can dunk on you and hit threes guy mm-hmm. he doesn't really I don't know his game's so efficient that mm-hmm. it's almost like you see him at his peak in in competitive games only Mm-hmm. like it has to be like every little inch and millimeter has to be contested to see the best of Kawhi. like it's not his game you know watch a guy like Kyrie well, in the open floor and it's was, like oh wow yeah. crazy but it's like that's not really Kawhi. yeah yeah yeah, yeah he was that. MVP last year 
Yeah, which totally takes away from my point. <laughs> Although, you know, maybe just defending myself a little bit. Yeah. Perhaps part of that was that he, you know, was the finals MVP before that. And there was this like momentum. Yeah. Kawhi was the guy for a little bit, you know, and I think until the Clippers lost in the way they did, people thought that, you know, you have Kawhi, you have a championship and like, that's that. Yeah. You know, it's for true. People's, people's opinions of Kawhi were really that basic. Um, oh, yeah. It, you know, is... it was like the Raptors won the championship only because of Kawhi. The Clippers are going to win the championship because of Kawhi. Like, I, I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm always like harping about it, but like recency bias is such a big thing in the NBA and like how rumors or rumors, um, how reputations kind of like come and go is, yeah, it's kind of like inexplicable at times and hard to hold on to because sometimes it's like, oh, that's really true. That's always been true. And then other times it's like, yeah, I don't see it. Like, you know, this player's got a lot of hype, but. And I think that's the the fun nuance of uh, analyzing basketball. Well, I mean, and like, let's be real. He lost a ton of credibility when they lost that game seven against the Nuggets. Because it was like a blowout. Yep. And they also like, you know, he didn't show up in the fourth. Yeah. Um, PG didn't show up in the fourth. And, um, you know, but then, you know, I, I, I remember all that year kind of saying that I didn't believe in the Clippers and like getting slam for it but you know this year for instance i'm kind of like i i'm not i don't think they're like a favorite of any kind or no sorry i do think they're a favorite but like i don't think they're like a world beating team but it's like i bet you the having lost in that way is good for them and that they'll kind of like gel and there's probably mm-hmm. some people who are too low on Kawhi now yeah i mean that could also be true i i have been avoiding the clippers um Too even painful? more so than last year yeah like just adding Serge Ibaka just added to how painful it was it and hurt. it's like yeah it I've been avoiding them yeah like I I avoid them like I avoid uh an ex-boyfriend who's on a certain tv show <laughs> you gotta do it's, what you gotta it's kind of similar it's weird it's kind of like I don't know if that says I don't know what that says about me that it feels exactly the same but <laughs> hey you know Sometimes you just got to steer clear of things that bother you. Yeah. You know? And so we'll see. Self-care. Yeah. I, yeah. Hashtag self-care. Like it's hard for me to have a a real gauge on the Clippers. I know they do have a good record, but I mean, they had a good regular season record last year. So I remain unsold until they really show up in the playoffs. Although I will say something that's been like super underrated about Serge Ibaka is that he is a clutch player that super is super clutch oh yeah so underrated about him and i don't think people realize how much and how often throughout his entire career he has shown up in big moments and like even in his time in okc and with us with the raptors like yeah sergi baka shows up and it was really disappointing obviously when we, when we lost him in free agency, but even before that in the Boston series, like I'm sure you said it and other people have said it. And it was a real sort of criticism on Nick nurse that Sergi Baca wasn't in there at the end of that game seven, because like the small ball was only getting us so far. Um, Serge does have an outside shot and we were getting beaten up by like Daniel Tice. And it's like, come on, man. 
Like we have Sergi Baca. What are we doing? So I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 it's weird. I quite like the small ball and I like that we're using it more. My, my critique, I feel I like- I mean, I like th- that we're using it more now because yes, Lord. Yes, But like, you know, even then I, I didn't hate the fact that, you know, Serge and Gasol weren't playing necessarily. My biggest critique was that it was just, it was too rigid throughout the series. We didn't let our roster breathe. We, you know, there was like, I mean, especially you look, you look at what Boucher is doing and it's like, are you telling me he didn't have that seven months ago? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't believe you if you're telling me that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, yeah, a lot of it's about confidence and situation, but I think that at the end of the day, we tightened up too much and we didn't really kind of, you know, we, we lost the series to a good team as well. So there's that. Well, yeah, and Siakam wasn't who he was, and yep. I think the team did not know quite how to make up for that. Um, and Boston, you know, they came up with an excellent plan. They played the Raptors really, really well. Yeah, really and, like well. They totally, like, they understand our system, how to punish it, and, you know, you could be surprised when Marcus Smart goes off for threes, uh, but it's like they're, we're leaving him open. And he's willing to shoot and he knows it's his job. Same with, uh, you know, Shemi Ojale or Robert mm-hmm. Williams or, you know, Pritchard now. Every, every time we play them, Pritchard's like bombing from three. They're a rookie. But he knows that he's supposed to mm-hmm. against us. So he feels good and he's letting them fly. Um, before we, I mean, we, we have done a lot of meandering today, but we I have. have enjoyed it quite I a apologize. lot. apologize. No, it's all good. That's kind of how we are. Um do you have any other thoughts on all-star before we uh, move on? Any uh, other highlights? Like, I mean, I enjoyed watching Giannis. Like I really did. And I also thought he looked like he was having a lot of fun out there and his yeah. kid's really cute. He's so family oriented. Like he's just so wholesome. That guy. Um, he is wholesome. And I'll, I'll say that I enjoyed the Elam ending. The mm-hmm. like the new style, and I thought it was actually kind of perfect in a weird way that it was like, oh wait, this last quarter is not going to be close. And it's like okay, cool. Well, at least it's like five minutes long. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. It's like, hey, if they're not going to make it a game, at least let's wrap it up. Yeah. Because you know, no one wants to get injured or whatever. And you know, I, I feel like in previous All Star games that would be like a twelve minute quarter where some teams up by like twenty five. And maybe yeah, there's like yeah. a press at some point and it's, it's just odd. And then, you know, the last like two minutes is like the team's kind of just like jogging back and forth and doing, they should doing almost like not even, they should almost not even show us what the final score is. So we don't even know that it's such a blowout. Like, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. they didn't have the final score tally and they just showed us quarter, like the quarter, then I wouldn't have known to the degree that it was such a blowout. But um, yeah, no, I really enjoy the quarter format of All-Star. I'm glad they changed it. Um, I thought that was really cool. I enjoyed, I did enjoy the game. It was very- Yeah, it was, it was fun. It, but, it, but it's fun as it always is. Um, the slam we had, we didn't even talk about the slam dunk contest. Honestly, it wasn't great. I mean, it was only the three of them. Um, the guy that won Anthony Simons. Yep. Um, you know, I will say this. It was far, get from, up. it was far from the best dunk contest, 
But what I appreciated was that it was original. And I think we're at a point now where it's really hard to do things we haven't seen before. And I think where the dunk contest has evolved, or at least what I get out of this is that um, the creativity is going to go a long way for you in the judging. Like if you can, even if it's not the best dunk or it's not as ferocious or whatever, or it's like, if it's just unique, I think that that kind of goes a long way more now than it did even like 10, 15 years ago when guys are trying to do that. Like there was that one guy with like the painting and then like that other guy who blew up the candle on the cupcake. Yeah. I don't uh, remember Luke who it was. Mute? No, I don't remember. Um, if Evans. you mention any name, I'll be like, yeah, it was I him. think it was a guy named Evans from Utah. Um, but yes, <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. Like um, I actually think those kinds of stunts would go over better now because we've been through it and we know that that's all that's left. And so, um, yeah, you know, good for, good for him. He, it was maybe the least impressive dunk contest I've ever seen, but at least it was unique. But you know, dunk offs are kind of like that. It's like every five years you get one that's pretty good. Every, you know, 10, 20 years, you get like a special one. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of what's up. But yeah, I I remember when, when DeRozan lost to uh, Blake Griffin, you know, like Matt Devlin and people were like, no props needed. And like, we don't, you know, Mm -hmm. props are bad and gimmicks are bad. And and I I just couldn't disagree more. Like, yes, there's been some spectacular failures. Because he Uh, jumped over the smallest part of the Kia. Yes, but like... (laughs) But still, you got to appreciate when something's just really dumb. Like when when I died, when John Collins uh, had that, um, like he had the Wright Brothers plane. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then also Serge Ibaka, when he was in it, he had this like really bad kid actor who was like, you got to rescue you got to oh rescue my, God, my teddy bear. And Serge is like, That's oh, right. it was horrible. But like, when you try stuff like that, I'm disagreeing with you. When you try, you, you get dunks that some people hate, but I love. Like Gerald Green blowing out the candle. That's an no, all-timer. No, I'm saying for, I do like these dunks now. Yeah. Uh, JaVale McGee, the double dunk. So yeah. many people hate that dunk. And I'm like, who else can do that? Yeah, yeah. You know what true. I mean? That to me is like, if you can do something that other people straight up can't do, I'm into it. Yeah, we need like a revisionist um, countdown of the stunt dunk yeah the stunt the, the dunk. stunt props added yeah. dunk because i think only in, only in hindsight yes after watching so many of these that i appreciate the creativity of those more and really anthony won solely based on the creativity and the originality yeah. of the dunks not the dunks themselves listen so, we, we want some style we want some style. Yeah. I mean, definitely anticlimactic. The the Meghan Markle Prince Harry interview was better. Just to it was huge. It was huge. Thing. I don't know what to say. It was way better. Um, it was it was a big time TV event, uh, and the NBA didn't see it coming. But guess what? I didn't see it coming. Uh when no. when yeah, when my wife put it on, I was like, guess what? This is more interesting than I thought it would be. And uh yeah fascinating you know stuff. the the dunk off kind of had that that vibe of like just 
not that it didn't matter, but you know, it was just kind of light and fun. Yeah. Um, well let's, um, actually this is kind of all-star related and we didn't get to talk about this cause it happened during, uh, the week, but the fun Utah shade that happened when they did the draft, right. I, I mean, first of all, I love the all-star draft. Absolutely love it. That's such a great, great addition to the whole weekend and everything. And when they picked Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert last, even though they are on what is currently the best team in the league. And then LeBron, I mean, it was so fun when Charles Barkley like called it out immediately in the moment because we're all thinking it. And then he went on to be like, it's like video games. Nobody picks Utah mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. Um, I was like, wow, like LeBron was trying to save it and he just made it worse. Not that I think it actually mattered, but I do feel like Utah has been, um, you know, like there was all this shit going on with the refs and like, they've been a little grumpy and a little salty lately, probably rightfully. So I think they have a point to be a little salty, Mm -hmm. but I'm just like, you gotta, you gotta embrace it embrace it and like really just be like you know what we're just gonna keep winning and be like undeniable that's, that's what me no if you're if you're one of those markets we we know it too well as raptors fans mm-hmm. if you're if you're a uh you know a jazz fan you got to be like hey we're utah we got mormons we got salt lake city we got, <laughs> we the got jazz. mormons <laughs> you know what i mean we have like all sorts of great national parks and stuff you just gotta like come back at it yeah. hard and be like you know and and that's you know, another shout out to mike conley for making it uh because because booker couldn't go oh, i thought and, you were gonna say it's a shout out to uh, ben Golliver because he keeps raving about their national parks <laughs> oh you shout out to ben Golliver, you know uh, <laughs> love me some national parks but yeah no i think like with the jazz it's uh they'll have some wait and see approach because of go bear in the playoffs uh which is fair and i think they're also probably more um fragile than they look right now because they're like a well-oiled i don't want to say regular season machine but you know watching them lose uh bogdanovich last year and just like how much that affected things, mm-hmm. you know, again, they lost in seven and that Nuggets team was awesome. And um, Conley, you know, had a chance to hit the series winning shot or perhaps tying shot. I forget, but like, yeah, it was like, they were in it and the jazz are good. And, you know, just this goes back to like the, the kind of surge Clippers, you know, how do you evaluate teams thing? And, you know, people, they kind of just don't want the jazz to be in the finals of the conference, <clears throat> pardon me, conference finals. So it's kind of like, they'd rather it, they'd rather almost just disrespect them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like a less fun. <clears throat> Sorry. I keep losing my voice. It's a okay. less fun narrative. Yeah. It sounds like a, 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 you know, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's the jazz. You don't understand. <laughs> It's, they have Sundance Festival. <laughs> it's beautiful. Utah. Hey, and, and we have t- and we have TIFF. We have the <coughs> we have the Toronto Festival. Right. There's a know? lot of connections. There's a lot of connections. We we both got snow. Um, they got better mountains though. But you know, uh, like it's is Quinn is... Snyder. You know, how, what is, does he have anything on Nurse for you? No, he well, they both 
are actually currently rocking the old time mafia style right now. Like they, they both, really are. They both like like Nick Nurse only this year, and I've obviously complained about it on every episode this season. But like Quinn Snyder has always had the mafia look. Mm-hmm. Like he definitely looks like he could have been like a background guy in Sopranos. <clears throat> where like nick nurse is looking like he could have been like a background guy in like the departed (laughs) (laughs) that's i want to make a departed joke but i'm just actually imagining him getting like roughed up by mark Wahlberg, and i'm like this is good stuff (laughs) he definitely looks like he got roughed up by mark Wahlberg. like that is just their current look right now and so there is a common thread there yeah, that's we found my it. only threat. Yeah, in the All Star <laughs> Game, it was joy. Uh, in regards to Utah, it's it's uh, mafioso B characters. Yeah, and I, I just feel like as a Raptors fan, I can relate to their frustrations. Is really what I was ultimately getting at. Like I relate to how they feel. I relate to how they feel about the refs. I we better get aggregated into jazz world because we're you know this has got to be are, are you hearing this jazz fans we're giving you so much <laughs> props so much love and you know all like, you get is disrespect how many and times we get it as raptors fans the jazz are good they're great the, the raptors were first or second in the east for so long mm-hmm. and it and nobody cared no one cared. nobody cared until Kawhi hit the shot against the Sixers honestly no one cared until that happened and it was just like fair. you know it was always about everyone else and then it's like you're you know it, it takes a few years to really like learn how to be good in this league and then it's like okay you put in your time and you're there and nobody shows you love it's like such a big like f you you know and I, I don't care if someone poisoned Michael Jordan's pizza. Like that was a long ha. time ago. Well, I th- they're a place too that I think understands consistency, continuity, and like development. You know, mm-hmm. we, we see that with Miami as well. And I always circle around to these points. Like there's a, I don't know, it seems like a collection of five, six, seven teams that are like, oh, you know, they, they're taking that like San Antonio blueprint to be like, oh, you can be good in this league as a non-major market but you do have to do a bunch of things right and you have to mm-hmm. like be pretty rigid in that maybe maybe miami's a bad comparison because they're not a small market i guess but no yeah they're not they're really not shout out the jazz love to the jazz shout also, out to yeah, the jazz you're gonna get slandered cheers yeah you're gonna get slandered and even when you win it all everyone's gonna tell you how much it never counted so Ooh, you'll never you know what, really jazz fans that's going to hurt even more. Yeah. And that's going to hurt a even fan, more. W- yeah. When you guys and, finally win and people are like, meh, that's yeah, going to hurt. Yeah. And so it's always going to be bad for you, but we're here. We're here to support. <laughs> call us anytime. Call um, us anytime. Well, call us on our time, you know, like mm-hmm. not Pacific mm-hmm. or whatever, or mountain. Um, Is that their time zone? I think it's mountain, but I may be just making that up. Yeah, I'm not 100%. Um, <laughs> I've never needed to know their time zone. Um, the other big story in the NBA is uh, Blake Griffin signed with the Nets. Yes. Huge, I think. I think it's huge, too. And, you know, 
I definitely have the urge to be like, he's done, you know, he's totally like washed up, but you know, we've seen Nicholas Batum, we've seen, um, you know, oh, I had, I just had the guy in my head, but like, you know, people kind of like go into a new situation and play a, a lot better, a lot harder and just look like a different player uh, in their thirties. And, you know, I think Blake and Batum are very different, but Blake is the fourth, fifth, sixth option here. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this is, he can play. And I think like, I mean, or, you know, or he can't and he's so done that he's going to hurt them. But I think if that's the case for them, then we're in like maybe a Carmelo Houston scenario. But, you know, you even saw a little bit later with Carmelo that he did find a decent situation in Portland. But uh, yeah, yeah but with I, Carmelo, I think it is with, uh, with Carmelo, to me, it was so different because he was out of the league for a year and had to eat a lot of, a lot of humble pie Yeah, in order for another team to finally bring him back. Like it wasn't so much that people thought he couldn't play. It was just, he refused to let go of the idea that he was the star. And I don't think that is the issue with Blake, like, especially on this Nets team. Um, I think he will happily be a fifth to sixth option. Um, with this roster i mean looking at this team now i find it almost impossible to see a future where they don't make it out of the east like i mean i'm not like i shouldn't say it's impossible i'm saying it's almost impossible like like a lot like a lot would have to go wrong a lot like i'm like it would like they're doing well right now and kevin durant's not even back And so it's like, you know, like James Harden has found a stride, whatever we want to say about James Harden. I've definitely called him out on this, uh, on this podcast, but I did it, you know, back in December, like now things are the way they are and he's playing great. And like, I I just, I think James Harden was the other guy I was thinking of actually. Oh, who kind of wasn't playing great in Houston, but it was like, he wanted to be relocated. So it was obvious that he wasn't, I mean, I don't know if that's the same with Blake. Well, but, he could uh, find a search. I mean, I'm sure he could find some new life on this team. Like, I don't doubt it. And and greater purpose. And like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how like the Clippers kind of did him wrong when he signed like a five-year deal and mm-hmm. thought he was like an intricate part of their future. And then they traded him away and, you know, to a, frankly a losing situation. And the only reason why this was able to happen is because he had an untradeable contract. Like, the Pistons could not get a good trade for him and that it was better for them to just let him go. And which is wild. These super max and max contracts, they've just become, they become like big kind of like heavy anchors for Westbrook wall. You know, it's really like, unless you're the player just basically is an MVP into the sunset, which is not how anyone's career works unless they're LeBron James. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, this contract's going to be a big problem. (laughs) Well, but now, but now he's a free agent. So he'd have a, he would have a new contract now. Um, So you, yeah. Well, I mean, for, for Detroit. Right. right, For for, for Brooklyn, it's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. 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 I mean, no, you're absolutely right. And I just feel like, this has suddenly turned into a situation where it's like, this could end up being the best thing that's ever happened to Blake. And he's now closer 
to a championship than I think he's ever been, or certainly has been since Definitely. those 20, I want to say 14 Clippers oh, that yeah. ended up bombing Brooklyn in the is second a contender, round of the like... playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn is, I think is the contender out of the East. I don't, although I think the bucks are still good. I just don't see them beating this Brooklyn team. I just don't. And, and I don't see anybody else doing it either. I don't think anybody's going to come close. And um, like, I think the Eastern conference got better, but kind of more in the middle, like it didn't Mm. get like top tier better. And so, you know, and now like Miami's not even in that picture. I don't see Boston ending up in that picture. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, that's why I'm like right now, obviously like a lot can change and the NBA is a soap opera. So I could be saying something different in the matter of a week or two, but really it's almost impossible to fathom anybody, but the nets coming out of the East and Blake Griffin just makes them even stronger. And he, and you know, weirdly enough for me makes that team more likable. Hey, I, I like Blake. Honestly, there's not a lot of players like I find like unlikable. Uh, on, on yeah. the Nets, I, I'm, I've always been a hardened fan. Uh, I never really got fully into the like Durant is not a competitor for joining Golden State thing. Uh, although I get the angle for sure. I did. I was Kyrie. I've sure. been critical of his like. I feel like his game, you know, has gotten a bit more love than it deserves. And but him as a person, it's like awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I think Brooklyn from the sheer standpoint of like, they're the team that has a super team in the NBA, I think has to be like a a favorite of sorts, but I'm still in my weird area of like, I don't think it's wide open, but I think that the, the way the game's played right now and the variance of the threes and the pace, I just can't, I can't go all the way with you and say that they're like, like I don't see a way for them to not make it because I'm like, I, I think that way is like Philly or something. Like, and, and if, if you ask me right now, yeah, I'm probably being Brooklyn a bit of a Philly, Philly hater right now. I'd say, I'd, I'd say, I think I'd say Brooklyn, but I think I'd probably say like Brooklyn in seven, um, you know, let's say Brooklyn against Boston. I'd say probably Brooklyn in six. Brooklyn against the Bucks. I mean, if they're like, if Brooklyn's Brooklyn all seven, healthy, but yeah, if they're all healthy, I, I just think they have too many offensive weapons. I just really do. Like, I, yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, I haven't shown Philly enough love after I did that whole rant about Utah. So there's that. Philly's but... looking good. And you know what? I actually should show Philly a little bit of love. I got into my first ever like Twitter spat. Oh, um, but not like, uh, I mean, I hope it's not real, but uh, someone like from Philly was just like, today's a good day to trade for Kyle Lowry. So I just made a stupid, like, okay, we want Ben Simmons plus all your picks. And all these Philly fans like jumped on me. And then I, I was like chiming back for a little bit, but I got straight up outnumbered. And then I also had to do this podcast. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, yeah, I'm going to go back to my Twitter and it's going to be like all these Philly people are wow. after me. Wow. I'll, I'll, um, I'll jump on um, after we're done here and I'll just like all your tweets. Okay. But if it's dead, you. let it die. Because okay. If it's dead, I'll let it die. But otherwise I'll just like me. your, yeah, I won't necessarily comment, <laughs> but I'll just like your tweets to show Fair. support. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I don't need you to be a target in all this. No, um, no. 
No, but, yeah, Philly just, fans are vicious. They don't have the problems that we have in Utah have. They're too vicious for it. They, yeah, they just, they're loud. They're, and they're also, you know, they've been kind of like, I feel like tortured in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're in, I don't know if they're in like Boston territory as far as like a historic team, but like they've had success. It's been a long time. Obviously the process must be just so like such a process as a fan mm-hmm. um so but yeah uh you know i'm I, i'll always take issue with people uh just you know wanting us to be a feeder team and give them kyle lowry for not much it's like he's an incredible player and mm-hmm. uh also if you're gonna trade with Masai, it's not gonna be easy he's gonna take a lot from you. So I think that's that's one thing I feel good about, like whatever happens, it's like we have Masai and he's not gonna look bad in a trade. Well, let's use this to move on finally into our Raptors Homer moment. Okay. Um, I was gonna do a bit of talk about just like how they're kind of letting fans back into the arena in Tampa, mm-hmm. but I feel like we went on about COVID quite a bit. We did, um, yeah. So let's just get like a bit of a temperature check from you, Freddie. How are you feeling about the Raptors going into the second half of the season? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, uh, I, I think these Lowry, uh, Lowry rumors recently, you know, with uh, with Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo, and then it was also in the Watch Pod, does seem like they're getting louder. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do not want to be that, that Raptors homer that kind of just like deny denies it actually the 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 tweet that got the most likes in this thread was when i said that the this guy just tweeted denial and my tweet had like two likes and his had like 80 oh my god so i was like oh wow, i me. can't wait to see your twitter <laughs> he, he hit me hard with the denial and you know he's he's sort of right but i think just like temperature check for the Raptors. We're really good. Uh, our contracts are good. Uh, you know, Fred's awesome. OG's awesome. Pascal's awesome. We're gelling. We're kind of like figuring out how to best use this small ball energy we have. Um, you know, it's been good on defense. We're figuring out ways to bring, you know, Baines and uh, Boucher off the bench. And we also have a fairly easy schedule. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, th- I think we're in eighth right now, maybe. Uh, but based on net rating, we're like, I don't know, the fourth or fifth best team in the conference. And that's kind of where I expect things to end. So it's, it's, it's you know, it's that classic Maasai Raptors thing where we're going to win and we're going to develop at the same time. We're not a franchise that needs to go backwards to uh-huh. build. We, we just don't. We just build as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shout out Utah, but like, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. some franchises can do that. Some franchises don't need to be like, I'm going to like be as bad as possible to hopefully get something to build around. We have those guys, Fred, Pascal, OG. I think, you know, maybe the bigger theme for the, this trade deadline that no one's talking about is norm. He's going to be tough to afford in the off season. And, you know, if we want to. Is he have a free him- agent this year? He is, and he's mm. having an absolutely huge, um, you know, year heading into free agency. So I think he makes, what is it, uh, you know, like something like 11 mil or something, but that he's, he's up for a pay increase, like a fairly big one. So that's something I'm watching, but yeah, he's clicking. I mean, Norm's incredible. 
Mm-hmm. Malachi looks pretty awesome. I think Nurse has to do, it's funny, I was saying, you know, explore the roster with the Boston series, but I think right now he needs to do a little bit more tightening of the screws uh, in certain areas, just so people like, like Boucher needs to know that he can't play bad enough to not get 20 minutes a game. Right. Like Boucher needs to be like, I need, I can have a bad, I can have a couple bad nights and I'll play. Um, so yeah, a temperature check. I think we're, we're, we're healthy is what I'll say. That's great. I mean, we're not contenders. I do go to you to try and remain an optimistic Raptors fan. I tend to worry a lot. Um, I do. I mean, I am currently worried, but I'm always worried. Um, That's fair. I, I'm not in denial of the Kyle trade talks, but I hate it. Like, and people like, you know, like people will message me and be like, oh, like, who do you think we should get? Do you think we should get this person? Do you think we should get that person? And I'm just like, fuck off. Like, I just don't even want to answer it. I don't want to. I got into my first Twitter spat. You got into your first Twitter (laughs) spat. I've been pushed. And I'm just like, there is no replacing Kyle Lowry. Correct. And I don't care enough about the numbers to try and figure out what fits because what fits isn't what that like that kind of means nothing to me not just as a fan but it means nothing in terms of wins and losses like it just it means nothing in terms of that because you're talking about the actual leader of this team so you're treat you're trading away things that are intangible that can't be measured and um we're never going to get those things back it's just so sad I think, you know, the day, because I do think this trade will happen and there's just too much talk and him selling his house and this, that, and the other, Mm -hmm. I think it'll happen. I think it'll be the saddest day as a Raptors fan. I really do. I will be extremely sad. Yeah. Uh, There's no way to, there's no way to uh, around it. You know, if we get, uh, I think the thing I'm hearing the most is, um, you know, Tyrese Maxey, uh, whatever, a couple picks. And uh, who are the other guys to match the salary? Um, oh, from Philly? From Philly, yeah. Oh, I don't even care. Because it's not, I guess, I guess it's like. Oh, a, and I hate the whole narrative of like, we got to trade him to Philly. No, we don't. That's right. No, we don't. We don't actually need to do that. He's a free agent at the end of the season and he will go wherever he wants. We don't have to trade him to the place he wants to go. Uh, I'm sure he will be happy anywhere. If he knows he only has to be there for a couple months, he'll make everyone else around him better. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a good guy. He'll participate. Um, Of course, I think Kyle deserves to win. I'm not suggesting that, but like, we so also we. need to set up ourselves for what's best. And I don't care if that's with Philly or not with Philly. Correct. And I also feel like there's this idea that, you know, you do this guy a solid and it's like, Hey man, you know, I'm down with that. Um, I, you know, I think what happened with Memphis and Marcus soul was really special. Yeah. And it was so cool. Um, we have the fourth or fifth best net rating in the conference. We're not a contender, but like there isn't, you know, unless, unless you think you're getting back, you know, meaningful parts to this core, 
mm-hmm. which maybe you are in a draft, but you know, I think you got to remember Philly's going to be good. And you know, those picks are going to be late and maybe Masai gets guys like uh, Pascal again, like he can do that. But yeah, there's just, this, there's not a lot of, I, I think, um, logical thought coming from the Raptors angle. And for me, if, if this is real, what's really happening is Masai has got Pat Riley, Maury, whomever it is, in the most quiet and vicious bidding war. And we're going to hear, mm-hmm. we're, and, and we're going to get a haul for Kyle Lowry. And it's going to look like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I thought it was like Tyrese Maxey. And it's going to be like, wait a second, we're getting Ben Simmons? And like, obviously, I'm going back to my stupid Twitter thing. But but I, I really <laughs> do think, underestimate Messiah at your own peril. As a Raptors fan, I will not. Yeah, so that's a that's great kind, point. That's kind of where I'm at with the trade thing. It's like, if you think Messiah is going to get, is going to cash out or be like, oh, I'm not that good. And I'm just going to do someone a solid. It's like, um, I don't know how to, yeah. I don't know how to point to the DeRozan trade harder, but he's not about <laughs> doing people solids. Yeah. He's about making sure his organization wins. Yeah. And rightfully so. That's his job. That's his job. Like when he traded Bargnani to the Knicks, he wasn't like, actually don't give me like all those picks. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, Bargnani is not that good. He was like, you know, he lied to them. He told them Bargnani was good. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, right? So it's like, Masai, yeah. Masai, Masai and then now Bargnani doesn't even put it in his uh, Insta bio that he's hey, a former NBA player, but he is an influencer and a magician. Yeah. So good for him. Um, let's wrap this up with our quote of the week now, instead of our hot girl summer, Nick nurse highlight of the week. Although I wish Nick nurse well, uh, cause I <laughs> assume he has COVID. Um, yes. so I do Me wish too. him well, well, obviously. Um, so we'll say that, uh, Larry Nance jr. Of the Cleveland oh. Cavaliers. This is such an epic tweet. He this wrote, Hope everyone is having a happy Friday, except those people that keep putting me in their mock trades, which that alone is great. (laughs) It's so funny. That alone I love because if I were an NBA player, I would hate the idea of being in everyone's mock trade like that would that would piss me off so much. So I love this. Then former Cavalier Channing Fry who I only remember because a friend of mine had an encounter with him years ago when uh, the Cavs were in the playoffs against the mm-hmm. Raptors. He torched uh, us. That's, that's how I remember him. Oh, okay. So that too. Um, he says, I wouldn't trade you for two broken shoelaces and a booger. Which is like, wow. All right. And Come then hard at Nance. And then Nance replies back, I literally got traded for you and a first round pick. So <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. I why mean, did- Channing Fry, how could you not remember that? Like that I, I, is crazy. You really did set yourself up there. Um, I need to get a hold of Larry Nance Jr. so he can like jump on my Twitter and help me out. Yeah, yeah, he needs, yeah, you definitely need him right now. But you also have me, and I'm going to jump on your Twitter and uh, figure that out for you. And uh, with that, Freddie, speaking of your Twitter, where can people find you on the internet? 
Um, yeah, check me out uh, at Freddie Rivas, F-R-E-D-D-I-E-R-I-V-A-S. Uh, or check out my podcast uh, at Dunks Podcast. Um, yeah, Dunks Podcast is, you could probably spell it, but yeah, we're Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. We have Catherine on all the time and, uh, you know, try to have a mixture of like analysts, comedians, and hardcore Raptors fans. So uh, check us out. We're a weekly pod. Uh, thank you so much, as always. And uh, we'll see you again sometime soon. Sweet. Thanks, pal. Okay. Clutch, hey, cause I'm about to stir shit out. No time for break dance, only shake dance. You could roll with us or